Welcome to the City Collective Church Podcast. We believe we are better together and exist to create space for everyone to discover life in Jesus. We hope that in today's message, you encounter the heart of God and are challenged and inspired in your relationship with Christ. Uh, I hope that we're able to stay a little warm this morning. This was like the first morning of, of this fall, at least. I feel like I can't think back to January, I, where everything was frosted over. My car was a popsicle, and you had to actually do a little bit of scraping to get the morning going. But it just makes it feel a little bit more like Christmas, right? It gets a little chilly, a little snow on the ground. It's wet snow. It's not real snow, but it's, it's a little bit of snow on the ground, so it's a wonderful thing to, to be together. But uh, this is week two of our Advent series. I'm going to do my best not to run into our Advent candles uh, as, I, as I drift during this room. But week two of our Advent series, and in week two, uh, the theme that we discussed and we are leaning into is one of peace. Week one talked about hope. Week two is peace. And as you might see on the screen, the title of our series over this Christmas season is The Consolation. And we talked about it last week that uh, this is not a misspelling. Uh, This is not meant to say the constellation in reference to a star. This is supposed to say the consolation because the people of Israel were given a promise throughout their generations that God would come and not simply to, to, to be with them, but to console personally. And so even in Luke chapter 2, when they are receiving Christ into this world, it speaks of the consolation of Israel. And I love that word consolation, to console, to be consoled. Something that we all desperately need. And in many ways... There's this paradoxical reality of Christmas. The expectation of joy, the expectation of gifts and laughter and excitement, but often the reality of of heartbreak, of unmet expectation, of reminders of hurts from previous experiences or even from the year that was. So this this paradoxical reality of we are rejoicing and we're celebrating, O come, O come, Emmanuel. And that is something we get to do, but God is so aware of the reality of our situation that he comes to console and to be with us and to give us peace. Last week we talked about hope and we talked about the story of Abraham. And that it says in the scripture that he was credited with righteousness. And we look into Romans 4 and ask the question, why is that the case? And it's because of the hope that he carried in a good God, in the promise given to him. That hope gets us through the waiting. Hope gives us a promise. Hope gives us foundation upon which we can move forward. We are leaning into this idea of peace. I'm going to read a scripture from Chapter 2. So this is our classic Christmas story. Uh, We're going to read verses 8 to 14, and so you can follow along with me up on the screen. And it says this, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. 
But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. Find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Every season of life for myself has revealed different things about myself to me. School, early 20s, time with family, family vacations when you're older, Christmases when you're older, marriage, all revealing an incredible number of things about myself. But in particular, marriage does reveal a lot of things pretty quickly. Uh, You discover a lot about yourself in a very acute manner. And I have discovered for, for myself, and I think we've discovered in our marriage, that uh, communication is different for different people. Seems like a very basic concept, but when you're confronted with it, it looks a little differently. Uh, I would say that for myself, I am more prone to be conflict avoidant. So I think many of us fall into that category. Now, I'm not here to say that my, uh, my wife is looking to stir it up. I think I actually have a lot to learn from her and her willingness to engage with things that are uncomfortable and actually to have difficult conversations. But for myself, I don't really love the idea of engaging with conflict. And in marriage, what I've discovered is that if I don't engage, there is greater conflict to come. <laughs> I, I fall into the category of if I'm playing sports on the basketball court, soccer field, I am that guy that if two people are starting to get a little bit heated, they're going at it, I'm going to run in, I'm going to run, I'm gonna, whoa, 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 whoa. I, I am that guy. If they start throwing fists, I don't know what I would do. To be honest, it probably would not go well for me, but I want to keep the peace. I, I don't want conflict in that situation. I want to avoid it best I can to avoid any possible conflict. And on this, the second Sunday of Advent, we're talking about peace. And I wonder what the definition of peace that we actually carry in our minds. Is it simply to avoid conflict? Is it to keep the peace, making sure nobody is getting hurt? I think deep down we all long for peace in our lives and yet Peace is sadly lacking in our world. People are full of worry and anxiety. Relationships are full of conflict and stress. And the world is full of pain and of wars. But that's where where Jesus comes in. Because Jesus is not only our hope at Christmas. He comes as our peace. And it's only in Christ that we're able to obtain peace on earth. An individual by the name of Bill Bright. He said this in the House of Parliament in 1946. He said that that there will never be agreement at the peace tables of the world or rest in the individual heart until the Prince of Peace reigns supreme in the hearts of men. But what really is peace? 
And perhaps the more practical and needed question is, how do we find it? I think we've been confronted with a reality over the past two years of the pandemic creating a sense of unrest in all of us. In a Forbes article in the late 2000s, since the late 2020 year, there's an individual by the name of John Everly who wrote from John Hopkins Hospital that this period of time would be the most psychologically toxic disaster in our lifetime. In many ways, this is the closest thing that we have experienced to war in the West in our lifetimes. Incredible death, social unrest, political polarization, the, the, little, the literal infrastructure and fabric of our society changing. Governments have failed us, econ- economies have crashed, leaders have disappointed us, and all of, us, all of it's kind of left us with this faux war-torn reality. And we all inherently desire peace. And peace, like I said, is a very common piece of language for us in the English language, but it means a lot of different things to different people. But it's also a very important word for us in the Bible and something that we want to do a little bit more with. It's something we want to learn a little more about. Peace in our culture is often measured by circumstance, by our ability to to regulate or, or meditate, or in many ways, peace is defined as our ability to neutralize our emotion of actually being heightened. And I think we've seen evidence to the fact that this is not effective. To hold ourselves in a neutral state doesn't really make a chaotic reality peaceful. But this idea of meditation has often been the push towards peace. If I don't allow my emotions to be heightened, then I am most certainly at peace. But what do we do with the chaotic reality in which we are currently experiencing? When the scriptures speak of peace, there is a desire for it to be more than an emotion, but a lasting, true condition and posture of our heart. And Advent is a time in which we can recognize the shift of Jesus in our very human reality. How our experience of the world is invited to change when Jesus steps in with peace. Now, peace according to Jesus seems counter to our natural instincts. And among the names that we see attributed to Christ, we see it in Isaiah 9. We see this idea of the Prince of Peace. And then in Luke chapter 2 verse 14, it makes it clear that Jesus came to bring peace. And then when we look at a quick overview of the Bible, there is a a ton of different narratives and scriptures about Peace being a promise for us. And he uses the language of shalom in the Hebrew and Irene in the Greek. Both shalom and Irene can be identified and defined as the absence of war or conflict. But beyond that, it goes on to be defined as completeness, as justice, as wholeness, as An order that brings harmony and security and well-being. It's a word that I would actually say beautifully honors the depth and complexity of a whole person. You are far more complex 
than saying I am peaceful simply because I don't feel anxious. Or I don't feel stressed. Or I'm not in conflict and therefore I feel at peace. But the reality of our experience of life would often say something far more different because you are complex. And if you are complex, we have to believe that this peace that is promised to us from a good God that knows us is actually far more complex than we actually give it credit. Shalom. It means complete or whole. If you were to look at a, at a wall, the way the Bible talks about shalom is that it would have no gaps. It would have no cracks. There would be no missing bricks in this wall. It's something that is complex, that is in a state of completeness or wholeness. It's not something that's just simple, but it's many different pieces coming together to make something whole. It can refer to someone's well-being. When David, he goes to face Goliath and he asks about his brothers, he actually asks about their shalom. He asks about their well-being. And the thing is, to bring shalom, to bring peace, it is to restore it to well-being. It's to restore it to wholeness. It's to desire for it to be in harmony. When rival nations in the Old Testament would come into a place of peace or shalom, they wouldn't just stop fighting. They would actually begin working together for the benefit of one another. Peace meant so much more than the manner in which we treat it today. And Israel desired that shalom peace, not just to stop the conflict, but to be for the benefit of the other, to be for the benefit of your enemy. But yet Israel consistently fell short, and they desired a king who would bring that shalom who would bring that peace. And that's the promise we see in Isaiah 9, this prince of peace. The experience of Israel is greatly reflected in Isaiah chapter 9. If you read it through, often when we do Christmas, we just kind of jump to the part where it says, and he will be our wonderful counselor. He'll be the prince of peace. And then we kind of miss the beginning part that's talking about the conflict and the pain and the war. And that's the reality of the people of Israel. This was a prophecy for those people. That I see the chaos that your life is in. And even though I see the chaos, I believe that peace is possible. And that is an amazing truth for us. Perhaps you hear peace is the promise and you think to yourself, you don't get it. My life is chaotic. My mind is chaotic. My relationships are chaotic to the point where peace does not even seem like an option, let alone a promise that I can hold on to. But I want you to hear the heart behind the prophecy in Isaiah 9, that I see you where you're at. And I want to come and be with you. And I want to bring this peace that seems impossible. But this is not a peace that is simply the absence of conflict. All throughout the story of Israel, they are desiring to be free, to be protected, to prosper, and to find peace. And this promise to Israel hits upon that which they ache for. They 
ache for peace? What do we ache for this morning? What does our heart so crave? Maybe peace is not the word that you would use. But if the desire of peace is not just the absence of conflict, but the restoration of wholeness, often the place in which we ache is the place in which we lack. So the area where there is ache, peace is the promise of wholeness that is meant for us, that is meant for you. What does a promise that speaks to a desire do? I think it actually does this. When I have an ache in my life, I can be so fixated on it. It's all I can see. It's all I can think about. It's all I can plan for. But when someone provides a promise of help and support, it has this jarring effect. It kind of pulls me out of it, gives me perspective, and allows me to be more present rather than actually just consumed by that one desire. In verse 6, we read that this Messiah would be born into humanity, that he would reign. Israel desired a king. That he would establish a new government in a new way and he'd be a wonderful counselor providing insight and provision for his people and he would be a prince of peace for the people that seemed to always be in conflict. Too often, peace is not in our lives because chaos is simply accepted as the norm. We have become so conditioned to live a life absence of peace that we don't even know to desire it because we have not seen it as a possibility yet the word peace provides that which we are often trying to discover fulfillment perhaps you didn't come this morning you'd be like i need peace in my life but i think every morning for so many of us we wake up and we're saying i want purpose I want fulfillment. I want to have meaning. I want to have the sense of wholeness in my life. And that is biblical peace. That is peace that is from God. And this prophetic declaration in Isaiah 9 is God saying, I am not abandoning you to the chaos. I am not abandoning you to your brokenness. I am not abandoning you to separation. The promise of Christmas, the story of Christmas, is that I am not leaving you to your own devices, but I am establishing a new way of life that would ensure security and wholeness and fulfillment for all people. It's peace I bring to you, wholeness I have for you, restoration I want within you. This is the prophetic promise. In Isaiah 9, that then leads us to Luke chapter 2. This famous Christmas story where good news of great joy is delivered and a host of angels show up and they're partying and they're celebrating and they do this exact thing that, that Jesus tells, talks about a little bit later in John 14. In Luke chapter 2, the angels show up and they're like, bang, surprise, we're here. There's a big declaration from heaven and they're like, don't be afraid. Just angels that are in front of you from heaven. 
Perhaps you've read about this, but uh, angels are not always as majestic as we sometimes have made them out to be, the caricatures that we've tried to draw in society. Sometimes the Bible talks about angels, they're kind of scary looking. And you can imagine this scary looking, sudden being showing up in front of a group of people and saying, don't be afraid. Seems a little counterintuitive. You're the reason I'm afraid. (laughs) Tells them, don't be afraid. This declaration of peace is given to a people and it said, don't be afraid. This group of people that are probably at a high level of anxiety, they're watching their flock, they're making sure they're not running away, they're protecting against robbers and against wolves. They're at a heightened state already to make sure that their sheep are taken care of. And this group of outcasts were promised peace. A gift of wholeness, as they knew it to be, they understood shalom to be that. And they understood that it had come to earth. Peace came to earth in the middle of their mess and in our mess. And the biblical concept of peace is incredibly rich. Over the past couple of weeks, even into our Hidden Figures series, we were looking at the genealogy of Christ. Beginning of Matthew, it talks about the, the people lead to the person of Jesus. Outcasts, foreigners, hidden figures included in that list. And we've heard from an individual by Sam Albury in our, in our series previous, but I want to read you a quote from him today. And it says, Matthew's genealogy of Christ includes the outcast, the scandalous, and the foreigner. And the family of Jesus, the family Jesus comes from, anticipates the family that he has come for. The family Jesus comes from anticipates the family he has come for. And I love the picture of the outcast, the foreigner, foreigner and the rejected, those who would have been placed in a position of being lacking. But the Prince of Peace came from people who were lacking because he was the fulfillment and the wholeness that they needed. I often think of the idea of peace for myself, like I mentioned at the beginning, to be conflict avoidant. But I believe the invitation of the Bible, the invitation of Jesus, is that peace is not to simply avoid conflict, but in fact, peace is to pursue wholeness. And therefore, Peace is to engage with the chaos. And this seems incredibly counter to the manner in which we treat the idea of peace. Peace for us is like, I, I, was, I was feeling peaceful today. I was not doing a lot. I was at rest. I was with myself. I was enjoying the moment. But the Prince of Peace engages into the chaos to bring fulfillment, to bring wholeness, to bring justice, and to bring joy. Peace is more than we make it out to be. Peace is not to avoid the chaos. Peace is to look chaos in the eye and declare that peace has come in Jesus. 
And this is what Jesus tells us in his life. It, so he tells us this in John 14, 27. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. We often reject the peace that Jesus offers because of the conflict that it requires. And this is why Jesus says, don't be afraid. You notice that. He says, peace I give to you. So don't be afraid. Why do we avoid conflict? Why do we avoid engaging with difficult moments? Why do we avoid that which makes us uncomfortable? Because we fear the manner in which it will impact us. The cost it might have on a relationship. But this is, I I don't feel like I'm saying anything incredibly groundbreaking by simply saying that if there is relational conflict, peace in that relationship is only possible if you actually engage with the conflict. And we might know that, but yet we so rarely actually do it. More often than not, we make the decision that I'm going to choose personal peace as we believe it to be, rather than the peace that is desired in the relationship to reconcile, to restore, to make whole. The world's definition of peace is to not feel stressed. And that is an incredibly shallow way to live. God's definition is to pursue righteousness, justice, and restoration in our world. It's to pursue the restoration of relationships. It's to walk into a room and see someone who is socially perhaps a little awkward, standing by themselves, not feeling encountered or engaged by anyone around them, and to go outside of our comfort zone to speak a word of encouragement. That is to bring peace into a room. It's, It's to have family relationships. Anyone's got some family relationships that are awkward? We've all got them. And we live in a time and place that is more divisive than ever. It feels like everybody's got a topic that they disagree on. Peace this Christmas season is to engage with those people, perhaps not on those topics, just to stir it up, but to have a conversation that still communicates that you love and appreciate them, despite you knowing that it's uncomfortable. That's peace. Peace is being generous to those who are in need in this season, even if you are feeling perhaps a little tight. To step outside of your comfort zone for the generosity that Christ has given to you to give to others. That's peace. And the outflow of engaging with the chaos of our world and of our lives and our relationships is to be at rest because we have found our strength and our peace in God. We like to skip the middle and get to that end feeling because we equate peace as an emotion. When in reality, we are invited to look at the prince of peace and how peace is brought into world and that is to engage with the chaos 
might feel incredibly odd, but peace is to engage with the chaos. It is to engage with the conflict and is to desire to be like Christ in the midst of it. Peace, by the world's definition, avoids discomfort. I really just want to convince you that this is what peace is. This is what I see in the scripture. If, if peace is to engage in conflict and the world says peace is to feel a sense of ease and rest and to be fairly comfortable, I feel really at peace with myself. This is the fruit of both situations. If, if peace is to avoid discomfort, then it is to see a girl being trafficked and make a decision that I'm not going to engage because that's going to put me out of, out of whack. It's to see a marriage devolve into abuse and make a decision that I just don't want to engage with it. It's to see an individual's self-worth being broken down by society or even just someone within a conversation and making a decision I don't want to actually call them to account, to speak up for someone who can't speak for themselves. It is to be one of those socially awkward situations and choose your own sense of comfort rather than to encourage another. That is peace that feels comfortable. But that is not peace that brings wholeness or restoration or healing. That is not a peace that looks like Jesus. Peace is to be present, it is to be like Jesus, and it is to be a people that are willing to engage with that which is uncomfortable. And perhaps you're saying, that's great and all, but I don't feel at peace. And in the last two years, maybe you have felt that, and that is com completely fair. And it's true that sometimes peace can feel incredibly naive. To feel like the chaos, chaos on the outside engages with the chaos on the inside. So the question that we are left with is, how do we get peace? How do we be led forward to actually engage in these ways that are outside of the norm? And we are given the answer through the words of Jesus. We, we often read John 14, 27. You don't have to have a peace sermon to hear John 14, 27. It pops up all the time. It looks great on a pillow. It's a promise given of peace. People love it. But alongside this promise of peace, if you read it in a wider chapter, you're going to notice that Jesus is not actually talking about specifically a promise of peace. He's talking about the gift of the Holy Spirit. In verse 23, we read, we read about peace in verse 27, but in verse 23, Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you, but... 
the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. This is not a declaration of willpower. This is a declaration of receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit. To receive the touch of God that would give us the strength that would compel us into action. The declaration of surrendering our lives to his teachings. The Messiah would not only bring peace into the world, but he would give it and ensure that we would have it moving forward. It was always meant to be a permanent peace. Not as the world offers as temporal and emotional and circumstantial, but a catalyst for life in the kingdom against fear and darkness, against the brokenness of our world and of our souls. And it would be the firm found footing for the followers of Jesus when the chaos would be engaged. It says, do not be afraid. And this does not mean avoid the struggle it means you can enter the chaos without fear because i am with you if the declaration of christmas is emmanuel god with us then the truth of the promise of peace is that you don't need to be afraid not just out of your own willpower but because i am with you Because the Holy Spirit has been given to us to have something that is sustaining, that is well beyond where we might find ourselves at the moment. This declaration, do not be afraid from Jesus, it actually mirrors the only command that we see in the coming of Jesus around Christmas. The only command that is given is from the angels that says, do not be afraid. And then Jesus reiterates it. In John 14, 27. And then he's the very first command that he says to his disciples after his resurrection is in Matthew 28, 18. And guess what? It says, do not be afraid. He's like, I've given you this promise of peace. And I want you to be peacemakers in the land. People who restore wholeness. But I know what holds you back. I know it stops you from being the peacemaker that you're designed to be, and it is fear. So don't be afraid, for I am with you. And that is an invitation to bring every fear, every struggle, every concern before Jesus, knowing that he sees it and hearing that declaration that he gives not once, Not twice, not three times. He gives it over and over again. Do not be afraid. Isn't that fascinating? That the first command after his resurrection is do not be afraid. And he says that to his disciples before he gives them a mission to move forward. So hear me, City Collective. This is the declaration of God for you. Don't be afraid. And the mission is this Christmas season, but be peacemakers in this world. Not just peacekeepers that are passively holding ourselves in a neutral emotional state, but peacemakers that sees chaos and believes that something more beautiful can be made out of it. That desire family and friends to discover peace that we have been given. Jesus says, be like me and go towards the chaos. It's been said 
that if you're looking for peace, that in making peace, we actually find more of it. Don't be afraid. To find peace, we bring peace. Worship team, could you join me at the front? Romans 8 verse 6 says this. It says, For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. Perhaps you're wondering what you can practically do. My first invitation to you is we need to align our hearts with that of God. And that's what we do in moments of prayer. As you pray this week, if you're desiring peace, and perhaps that needs to be a, a flip of language, if you're des- desiring restoration, wholeness, fulfillment, in relationships, in the chaos you see around you, in your moments of prayer this week, would you begin to pray directly into those pieces of chaos? And not just saying, hey God, would you, would you just make it all better? It is, can, can you remind me in those moments, don't be afraid. Would you give me the wisdom to speak truth into that which is darkness? Would you begin to prompt me on the moments in which I become so self-consumed that I don't see the hurt around me? Would you give me eyes to see and ears to hear as you would? Start with prayer and lay that as your foundation of peace to align our hearts with God. Your kingdom come, your will be done. That is what we're praying when we're praying for peace in this world. and We're praying for that to be the direction of our hearts. And then, I will challenge you. Can I grab that mic? Then I would challenge you. Identify, this is the top one, identify a relationship in your life where there is chaos and unrest and it just makes you mad. And you have a desire for that relationship to be healed and to be made whole. Hear me, there are relationships that need space. And there is wisdom in having space. But there are also relationships that we desire to be made whole, that we choose to avoid because we don't want the conflict. Take a moment this week. Identify that relationship and begin to spend time. God, would you give me the heart of a peacemaker and the courage to have a conversation, to ask a question, to believe the best, and to desire that the Prince of Peace that engages into the chaos would show me the way to bring a sense of peace into a broken relationship. Those are two practical things you can try this week as we become peacemakers, not just peacekeepers. Engage with the chaos. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks 
that you are at work in our lives. As we enter the Christmas season, as it's this paradoxical reality of joy and of conflict, of, of celebration and of anxiety, we just pray that the consolation of Israel, that you would come and console every heart here personally this morning. That we would sense the promise of your peace come within us. And the stirring of peace within us is not suddenly to be at rest, but to get a sense of where you might lead us to bring wholeness and restoration, to fill in the cracks that might be forming. Give us courage, oh God. Give us eyes to see more than our current predicaments and situations. Let our circumstances not be the dictation of our peace, but let our revelation of who you are be the foundation for our pursuit of peace in this world. Your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope it challenged, encouraged, and inspired you in your walk with our Lord Jesus Christ. To keep up with City Collective, make sure to check us out on Instagram and Facebook at City Collective Church. Have a great week.